Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Alrighty, we've got Default Alive featuring a guest today. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me on. Excited to, to hang out. <laughs> hey, Brian. So, Brian, you're one of the, the OG uh, Bootstrapper podcasts. We, everything that we do, everything that we know is all because of you. So this is <laughs> it's full circle now. It's only right to have you on eventually. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were talking offline just, just now. I mean, I, I can't believe uh, Jordan and I have been doing Bootstrapped Web I don't even remember when we started. I think it was like 2014, some, somewhere wow. around there. It's um, crazy. And we, we have not been, you know, every week and, and consistent about it. But, you know, we try to try to get it in when we can. So I don't think it matters. Honestly, I think it's it's such a crazy like archive and just like time machine to go back through yeah. and listen. I think I probably started listening in like 20... 16 or something like that because i know it was before like even my first startup job basically and um i was like somehow some way found you guys and then i was like oh this is such a cool like i just want to know what it's like to be running a bootstrap company be running a SaaS company and uh back then i think i remember very distinctly like you talking about uh restaurant engine and <laughs> jordan like just getting uh I'm going to forget the name card hook off the ground and, um, and just started to get some product market fit. And so it's crazy for me, even just kind of full, full circle, because I think you, you guys, you two in particular are some of the ones that really like was kind of the, the intro to sort of like the, the bootstrapped corner of the whole, yeah. you know, the kind of entrepreneur web. I, um, I like the format. I mean, it, I think it's, um, it, I, I think it's probably super boring to most of the world, except people in our circles, you know, tend to tend to like to listen to like just what what are other people working on that are mm -hmm. sort of doing what mm -hmm. I'm doing. And I, I always like to joke, like when we go out to uh, microconf, you know, I feel like most of our listeners or maybe all of our listeners are like in that room. And that's it. Like there's not right. much more than that. You know, <laughs> it's a few hundred people and that's it. And all those yep. people know you and are engaged and love it. And the rest of people yep. could not care. Like, I don't think I've a single one of my family members or friends listens to this podcast. Cause they're like, like, why would I, you know what I mean? That's like, yeah. there's nothing yeah, really no. relevant because even if I they think wanted my... to know what we were working on, they wouldn't really be able to like decipher or understand what we're even talking about most of the time. So it's just, it is like super, super niche. Totally. I mean, my, my parents, my, my family members, like they definitely have not tuned into bootstrap web and, uh, <laughs> they barely even know what I do for a living. So. Right. You know. And you're like, mom, dad, I'm famous. Don't you know that? Like, come on. <laughs> I'm like huge on the internet. Right. <laughs> you don't even know how, um, how many downloads does bootstrap web, uh, get per episode on average? I, honestly, I haven't checked it in forever. Um, it's it's probably surprisingly not that much. Um, I I don't know. Like, like what's what's normal? Like we're, we probably get a few thousand each, each episode. I mean that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean I think Default Alive gets like a few hundred, 
uh, we're not nearly as internet famous as, uh, as you and Jordan, but it's also so relative. It's like, what is a lot? What is a little, like, it's all completely Well, I subjective. remember, um, a while back I was listening, I, I was hanging out in person with Mike Tabor, uh, who he's not, a, not co-hosting anymore, but at the time he was co-host of startups for the rest of us. Um, this must've been maybe around 2016 or 2017. And we were talking about listener downloads and, and I was like, I'm, I'm curious what does startups get? And, and he, he pulled up his numbers and they, they were seeing like a hundred thousand downloads on every episode. And wow. And I wow. pulled up like bootstrap web and I, and we were at like a thousand, maybe 1500, something like that. That is nuts. And That's yeah, crazy. I mean, some of those pods, like with, with those guys and some of these other ones that have just been around forever, it, it's just like, they start to amass a huge audience, you know? Yeah. I think especially once you, I mean, Rob too, like you guys started in 2014, Rob started in, I think, I don't know. I feel like he's thrown up uh, years like 2011 or 2012 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I haven't been listening since the very beginning. I, I came on a little bit later and then, but you know, I, the way that Rob does it, it's, it's like definitely geared it. Like they do more of a, they really make it like a product that is worth growing right. and uh, an audience. Like we do bootstrap web. We do nothing to get new listeners. You know, <laughs> um, we're not like right. trying to make it, <laughs> interesting to the rest of the world mm -hmm. yeah it's very true it's very true it's crazy stuff uh but awesome to have you uh, I'm, I'm really curious to get into a lot of zip message stuff and you're welcome to ask us any questions normally we just go through a couple of updates so uh chris i don't know if, if you want to continue with this but we can just sort of quickly roll through some updates of what we've been up to and then Brian, you can feel free to jump into any questions and we can turn it back yeah. on you as well. And I definitely want to hear about what's going on it. in your world. Sure. Let's do it. Cool. Well, it's funny because I was looking at our notes, Chris, and I think that we have some like similar, uh, we have like a similar theme, <laughs> but last week I had a huge, huge headache with, uh, the recording software I use. And I don't really, I mean, I'll say it here. It's not like I'm really blasting it out on Twitter. But uh, I've been using Wistia's Soapbox product. I don't know, Brian, if you used, used them before, but that was like one of the first ones that I'd used for recording video. And when I created my first course, um, there was only like, it was like that and ScreenFlow were like the only two options out there. Hmm. And Soapbox is actually like, it worked pretty well. I liked it. it has this unique format of like being able to have this uh, really vertical, um, you know, video feed from your camera. And then you can have your presentation like next to it instead of it being like picture on picture essentially. And I really liked that format. It served me well. And then I'm in the middle of creating this new course called marketing, like a media company and, um, just going through I'm the first one. I love that cool. whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun to think through and it's, uh, it's a lot of content. So <laughs> that's an, uh, another update here coming up, but, um, so I hadn't really used it until the last courses that I created and a couple of videos here and there, but started creating the first ones was noticing like a couple of issues and just like upload times and having to like download the raw file and then like try to reupload. And then last week, um, I recorded one and it was like in the middle of uploading and normally I'll just like go straight to the next one and start recording, even though the last one is still uploading. So I recorded that one. And then they both failed and I was like, oh, dang it. I shouldn't have, you know, recorded at the same time as uploading. So I went back, recorded again, uh, waited until it was a hundred percent. And then I was like, okay, cool. It's, it's uploaded. Did the same thing over again. Went to the next one, recorded, 
failed, went back to the other one. It turns out it also failed. <laughs> so oh automatically I'm, I've just wasted like literally four hours of my life recording the same things over and over again. Tried recording again two more times. It was not working. I was trying different strategies, restarting, closing all their apps, testing my connection, updating Chrome, like looking for like anything and everything, reached out their support. Uh, basically I was like, I came to the point where I was like, I can't like trust this anymore. I don't know what's going on, but it's obviously some sort of like, this isn't just like a bug. This is some sort of like real issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like my biggest fear with zip message is, mm. and, and I've had messages like that where, oh, I lost a recording or something like that. And you know, we, we've tried to plug up as, as many of those holes and we have fallback mechanisms to give you like, you know, recover your recording and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But, um, that's, that's my biggest, uh, fear when it comes to supporting is that, you know, but, but what's interesting about Wistia soapbox box is, um, I mean, I'm such a fan of Wistia and, and Chris Savage and, and I mean, talk about building a media company as a, as yeah. a I mean, they're like, I, I think example number one of that. It is I talked about pretty all awesome. The time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I love their content and, um, and their main product has been amazing, but, uh, with launching zip message, obviously I'm really aware of the landscape and, and the competitors. And I mean, loom is the biggest one and everyone is, has either used loom. They currently use loom or they're switching to zip message from, from loom. And, and so that's been a big one in terms of like positioning and talking about how, how we're different and better for certain use cases. And I, I'm pretty surprised at how little Wistia soapbox has come up in, in all of my surveys and conversations. Like it almost, it's just not as widespread. It, even with as, as uh, well known as Wistia is now, um, I, mm -hmm. I, I would have been, I, I would have expected their soapbox product to be a little bit more widespread, but it just, it doesn't seem to have caught on as much as, you know, other tools. No, I think it, um, I don't know. It feels to me just looking back, like it was one of those products that was maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Um, but also like wasn't executed in the way that really lend itself to a lot of that kind of viral growth, like loom or even like a zip message. And, and so I didn't get that traction to really like get the engineering support it needed. And then it feels like they've just sort of been, they sort of like left it, I don't know, just to like maintenance mode or, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if like, ne you know, the next week they were like, Hey, we're shutting it down <laughs> because I haven't yeah. seen like a single update in a long, long time. Um, and it's a shame because I've, I liked it. I used it. I don't really know how many other people have, I forget even who turned me on to it originally. Um, but it's, it's completely devastating <laughs> losing those. Yeah. I feel like even for zip message is a little bit different because if I'm just like speaking into the camera, I'm giving an update. You know, I'm probably going to be talking for like five or 10 minutes. Um, but when I have like a rehearsed talk over a slide deck and I'm talking for half an hour and it's just gone, it's so yeah. exhausting. So like, I, I, it took me like everything in me just to like restart and be like, all right, run it back. <laughs> I'm going to go through. Yeah. That, like, that's I never recorded this like, ever again. You lose so much energy just in the, in, in like the figuring out the tech details that, you know, you're trying to, rec I, I've totally been there, you know, um, for like long form stuff where I'm, where I need to do editing it. I mean, ScreenFlow has been my go-to for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I tried out ScreenFlow. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. It was maybe even a little bit too 
feature rich and uh, like sophisticated for, for me and what I wanted to do. And I couldn't quite replicate that kind of look that I wanted with the, the vertical camera feed and the slide deck next to it. And then someone on Twitter was like, Hey, just check out uh, Tela and Tela has been actually really, really uh, delightful to use that. Like you can like move things around and create like a background and it feels like it was built for like course creators. Uh, personally, I don't see it anything even remotely close, uh, kind of like competitive to zip message. Like very, very, yeah, I saw your, case, uh, I, don't know. I saw your tweet about that. I, I haven't seen, seen them. It, it does look like it's more about like the creation and editing and, and sending it to someone else. Um, yeah, we like we we do have the capability to to record twenty or thirty minute videos, um, and we'll upload it in the background while while you're doing it. But um, you know, it's not. And, and you know, the other thing you could do is have your screen and camera at the same time, and you can drag your your camera wherever you want on the screen. And mm -hmm. so I, I do that a lot when I'm collaborating with people, and like, you know, show my notes over here, my camera over there, and stuff like that. Um, uh, but and we don't really have like editing. Um, but you could pause and resume your recording with, with zip right. message. Right. Um, so it's, it's really, I, I, I probably wouldn't use it for like at creating like a final product of a course video, but we, but I've seen people record in ScreenFlow and then just upload into, into zip message, you know, mm -hmm. seen some of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. If they wanted to send it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So now I'm back into uh, course recording mode, <laughs> um, finally getting those out the door, uh, did a couple hey, last Cor week. Corey, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. you seem to be, um, definitely where, where I was at a few years ago in terms of the type, the, the, the mixture of work on your plate. So, you know, I, I know you, you, you consult the juggling with, act. with, yeah, the juggling act, <laughs> like you're doing a couple podcasts, you're, you're consulting with doing some marketing for other startups. Uh, you're doing your own courses, your own, your own, uh, membership community. Uh, how, how do you like that, that mix? How does it, how do you make it work? Mm. How, how does that all fit together for you? I definitely don't mind, uh, the mix and the juggling act. Um, I think that I've been able to find a balance for sure. Like I think this time last year I was like panic mode. I don't know how to do this. What, what the heck am I, have I got myself into and what have I done? Um, and so there's definitely like a very fine line of definitely learned like my limits of what I can do and how much to take on at any given time. <clears throat> I think especially working like, um, working with Derek on Savvy Cal has been definitely like a dream kind of gig for a juggling act because it's the same type of work with the same type of hours and it's, fairly flexible and it's like right there in my circle of competence. Whereas like I had a other, a couple other consulting gigs here and there that were like each a little bit different and were like these short term projects. And that was just like unmanageable because it was like, I'm trying to hit deadlines all the time and I'm trying to like move things along at different stages, but each one requires like a little bit of a different approach or customization or, um, or even like collaboration, like there was one where it was just like they wanted to hop on calls every day mm. and that in and of itself like just kills all productivity for me. Um, so now more. I feel like I have a good mix <laughs> between my own stuff, Savvy Cal, new projects and other things that we, that we want to do. Um, uh, 
not for the faint of heart. Like this doesn't definitely isn't like the easiest route I could have gone. Right. I mean, it would have been much easier to like, I don't know, let me take on some funding or like just build up like this massive, uh, like store of savings that I can like work off of. Well, I, or... I think you're doing it the right way, to be honest, especially if, if you intend to stay self-funded or bootstrapped for the foreseeable future. This this is how to do that, I think, is is to have a few like retainer based. Um, like, yeah, like it, it, it's not passive, like you do work for Derek, but then you then you are building some passive income with the, you know, with swipe files and and the courses and stuff. So, so that's an asset. And and then the, the big one is that you're, you're becoming well known now, right? Like you have this podcast, you have, you're, you're out there doing stuff. So, um, so that, that just makes everything that you do in the future easier for sure. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm already starting to see kind of the benefits of that already, uh, a little bit. It takes time. Everything takes time. Right. And so like just now I'm feeling like, all right, like the revenue is catching up to right where i originally like saw it to you know to get it to you and i mean i you, you know, know i got the progress that, that and i get to ask that question all the time on podcasts like because people look at my products page and they see like a list of 20 products that i've done over the last like 10 years and probably seems like i do them all at the same time which obviously i don't um but um you know i i do think that like i i like to go on podcasts and, and tell younger freelancers like you should do a lot of stuff and you should mm. launch a lot of stuff you know and and it's okay to do lots of pro products in the early part of your career because not only do you learn on, on each one but each one is sort of another opportunity to to gain more recognition people follow other people in this in this industry based on the things that they're actually doing and they're actually shipping Right. You know, um, just having the experience and the knowledge from having worked at some job like that's not enough. You, you have to actually show something to to be um, talked about and followed. Right. So the more that you can do that. Um, the and, and, you know, there's a lot of freelancers who come from the mindset of like, well, my my time is valued at a certain dollar amount. And if I'm not making that dollar amount in my time then it's not worth doing. And I just think that's the wrong way to think about it. Like, yeah, charge for your time when you're consulting, but you gotta be, you gotta be willing to do a lot of work that you're, that you're going to make $0 for, for a long time and just put it out there. You know, it, right. it'll come back later. Yeah. That's where the whole, I don't know. It's like a lot of the like mainstream, uh, business advice and, um, what do they call it? Like entree, entree porn or entrepreneur porn yeah. or something like that. It's like, <laughs> just like fluffy stuff that people like sounds good on paper. And it's like 10 X your rate and like be productive mm -hmm. and set a high hourly rate. And but it's like, okay, but like it's not very <laughs> practical at all at the end of the day. Um, totally. And so, I remember yeah. back in the day I was working on, I was bootstrapping restaurant engine, um, which was like the first sort of like SaaS type product that I was able to grow and eventually get myself out of consulting. Um, and it took a few years to, of, of doing the juggling act to, to do that. And I remember I was, so I was doing like web design service, like web design consulting, doing projects for like 20 or $30,000. And at the same time, trying to bootstrap restaurant engine, I'd get one customer paying $49 a month. And I'm like on a Sunday, like inputting their 
food menu items into our little WordPress CMS just to get this one customer on board, you know, just, just mm -hmm. like clawing for every little, and meanwhile, like I'm, I'm making like so much more on the consulting stuff, but like, yeah. I just want a SaaS, so I'll just do it, you know? I know. <laughs> it's the dream, yeah. right? So <laughs> and now I, I went through that same hurdle off. with, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I went, I went through the same hurdle with, with JetBoost. I was consulting before that, you know, making a good hourly rate and then, exactly like you said, like you're personally onboarding all of those early adopter customers and you, you do the math in your head and you think, wow, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making less than min minimum wage off of this, but SAS compounds over time and eventually it's worth it. So. Yep. Right. It, yeah, it looks building, crazy. And you're building assets too, you know, like it's, yeah. it's not just the, the recurring revenue. It's, it's a business that could, you could sell, you could, you know, build on it. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, so I'll, I'll wrap up my section here and then I'll let, uh, Chris talk and we can chat more about what you're working on, Brian, but, um, course production recording mode, uh, doing a little bit of thinking for Q1 of next year. I think like the big things I'm actually, I'm, I'm more curious actually to start tackling some, uh, some SEO stuff for swipe files and kind of dog food. Some of my own <laughs> stuff that mm. I do and tell other people to do. It's really difficult because the whole like SAS marketing, topic as a whole is like, I mean, it's really competitive and it's very like noisy. So it'll take a bit for me to try to cut through that. And like, maybe it'll take a long time to start ranking for things. But I think actually now is a pretty good time for me to start doing that. And I need, I need to find other ways. I'm like, again, I think through this whole, like marketing, like a media company and trying to eat my own dog food. One of the big things is like platform risk and not being too dependent on one source of traffic and signups. And I'm like, oh, well, like everything that I do comes from Twitter. So maybe I should start getting other sources of traffic and, and, uh, really doing this myself. Um, so very early stages, nothing to really talk about yet, but I think that's going to be one of the big focuses next year, especially once I have the course done, I think, I feel like things are like, have like a good cadence in the community and what I do. And so it'll really be more about like marketing and less like product stuff for swipe files next year. I, I'm really excited for that course. Um, and just to hear about the case studies that, that might come around it. Um, because like, that's a topic, you know, uh, brand marketing and media company as like, I, I've been really trying to deep dive and follow companies like Wistia and, and see what they're doing there. Um, but I, I feel like there aren't enough examples of how it works and like systems for like mm. you know here's how to put it together here's what to expect you know i've all i have all sorts of plans like that in, in in like with like media content for for zip message that i have not been able to execute on because i haven't figured out like how can i execute on this where it's not requiring me to show up every day and do it you know mm -hmm. yeah it's really tough i think that's that's one of the things I really want to do is provide a ton of examples just to show what good looks like and what's possible and how other people are doing it. Because once you see someone else doing it, then you can start to translate that to yourself and kind of imagine you doing something similar to that. Um, and I think especially, uh, like in the beginning, I kind of want to create like not a V one, but basically like the skeleton and then start piecing or like adding some other parts into it based on what people say is kind of missing or what other questions they have. I have a feeling it might be a little bit more uh, like 
you'll probably want to like, okay, give me like the playbook. What's like the practical step-by-step? What should I do? Which is hard to do at scale in a course that's a little bit more kind of broadly applicable, but at least showing the examples and like really dissecting here's what they're doing is, you know, can be enough to go off of. Yeah. I, I think that's the best way to learn anything in, in this world is see, see what other people are doing and do your spin on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remakes it. That's it for me, Chris. Yeah. Uh, while you were dealing with video recording issues, I was dealing with laptop issues. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I got home from the office one day, popped open my laptop and it was just completely, uh, screen was just totally garbled, colored lines. Um, couldn't, couldn't get it to fix. And, uh, yeah, I, I was just like, Oh crap. Like, uh, you know, I don't have another laptop. I just immediately took off for the Apple store and was like, I got to get this figured out. Um, so that was a, that was a little bit of an interesting scare. Cause you know, as you know, Brian, when, when you're running a SaaS company, it's like, you've got servers to worry about. You've got, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, so, so being out of commission like that was a little bit of a panic inducing moment. What do you have a M1 uh, MacBook? Uh, 2019. No, no M1 yet. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know what happened. They, they, yeah. Uh, I actually like, I, I went to the store, I'm looking at all the M1s that they had on display and they're like, yeah, sorry, we're all sold out. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I, so I, I have a, I, I work on a non M1 iMac here in the office and then I, I got the um, M1 Air as like my travel machine and take it outside machine, you know? Yeah. Really good. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to another founder and she was saying she's always had two laptops for this reason. I'm like, yeah, it's probably time for me to uh, invest in that. <laughs> have a backup machine. Considering just takes everything that one time you do and depends then you're like, on it. I'll never have just one again. <laughs> yeah. Always have yeah. to have two. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, along the lines of like losing work, I had uh, basically that day I was just, I'd written a ton of different automated tests uh, for JetBoost because that's one of the things I've been focusing on the last couple of weeks is is really improving um, our test framework, our testing experience, especially as, uh, you know, I felt the pain this year of, of onboarding other developers and not having a good test suite in place. And um, so that's one of the things I'm trying to shore up for next year. Uh, thought I lost all that work, but I have like these automated backups that run uh, pretty frequently on my computer. And so luckily that, that was saved. Um, so I was able to keep working that's, on that, but that that's been a huge learning for me in the last couple of years of building SAS is the test coverage. Um, mm. I, I was, I did. So a couple of years back, one of my failed attempts that triggered Siri for some reason. Hold on. My audio is all messed up. All right. I think I'm back. Um, a couple of years ago, one of my failed attempts with SAS was uh, a product called Ops Calendar, which is sort of like a precursor to, to what became Process Kit. Um, we had no tests written the whole way through, and we, we ran into bugs everywhere. And, and at that time, I was hiring other developers. I, I couldn't build that myself. And mm-hmm. um, it just slowed everything down. I would constantly have to pay the developers to re- rebuild and fix things when ship one thing, it breaks five other things, you know? And then with, um, 
when I did process kit, we, we built tests from day one on, on everything. And that's a really complex product. And it, it, it was, it, it was like extra time invested in every feature that we build to, to make sure we have test coverage, but man, it just saves so much in terms of support and bugs and maintenance. And then that's how zip message has been. We have, we have like full test coverage on that. And like, it, it really increases the overall speed of being able to go, especially in the first year of just getting, cause, cause we're not bogged down with like stupid bugs that just break cause we shipped something new, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's been a big learning for me as well, because JetBoost was really the first successful product that I've done. And it was like, build the MVP and then just keep stacking on top of that for, you know, what, what's been two years now. And it's only now where I'm finally going back and being like, okay, this is, uh, this is starting to get unsustainable. Um, there hasn't been too many, again, because it's mostly been myself doing the development, like up until this point, I've been able to get away with not too many major bugs or anything like that. Um, but I can tell it's every day it's getting harder and harder. Things I wrote two years ago are less familiar now. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's tough to put in the tests after the fact too, uh, which I'm sure you experienced. Yeah. yeah. That's totally how we, well, we, we do them after the fact when we ship the feature, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't go back and add tests much later, but it's, we don't do like test driven development where it's like, write the yeah. test first and then build. No, we, we definitely build the feature right. first and then make sure we have tests for it before we ship it. You know? Yeah. I think, Yeah. Test-driven development, especially for a, a new product, is just not practical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am actually curious. One of the things I wanted to get into more with you, Brian, was just, uh, you know, you mentioned, like, things you would do differently or, or are doing differently starting from scratch with ZipMessage uh, and some of the, the, the lessons that you've learned over the years. Because I certainly am starting to build up a list of Oh yeah, like I I wouldn't do this again when I'm starting something new. So I, I'd be curious to hear what those are for you. Um, well, zip message right now is is just about one year in, so we're still in the early days. That I'll probably I'll probably look back on things right now a few years <laughs> from now, like you know what what I did wrong. Um, yeah, I mean we haven't even done like a product hunt launch yet. That that's gonna happen probably in January, um, and. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I was talking to Justin about this on, on the build your SaaS pro, uh, podcast, how I think that every product that I've done has been a reaction to the previous one that I was working on. Mm. Um, so every, every new product is, and, and this goes back to, you know, we were talking about like freelancers just shipping a lot of stuff. A lot of that is, is about course correction. You know, there's, there, there's always going to be a few things that sort of work pretty well. And then a few things where it's like, ah, that, that, that was a lot more challenging than I wanted it to be. Um, and so with, with zip message, a lot of it from the original idea and the, the choice to pursue this as a business, you know, cause I have a long list of business ideas and, and it, uh, very few of them I actually end up working on. Um, and it just checked a lot of boxes of like, that was really challenging in the last one. How can that be different in, in this one? And I think some of those choices sort of paid off. And then there were, there were some that, you know, I think every product has like pros and cons and, you know, it's not, it's never a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. Uh, but I think from everything it's, it's definitely been faster, like faster to get traction, faster to, um, 
get a new user to try it and then become a regular user and then become a paying customer, like much faster path than, than previous products. And I think that's, that's definitely reflected in the, in the, the traction that, that it's seen this year. So, yeah. Yeah. I listened to the episode you did with Justin. And one of the things I thought was really interesting was when you're talking about process kit and how difficult it was to get someone on board because they had to try it. They had to see success with it. They had to get the rest of their team to buy in. Um, and, and move their whole process over to that. Yeah. I mean, if you think like any product that you ever use, right? Like you have to personally experience a, a win, like, like, oh, I just got value from that in some way. Right. And it's, um, I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of great customers still using process kit. We, we get new customers come in all the time. Um, we've got a decent organic standing on it now. And, and so, um, so for a per, certain type of customers, usually an, an agency with a growing team, um, it, it does speak to a, a pain that they have in their operations, but to, to get that first win, it, there's a really long path. Like it's weeks mm -hmm. of work just to get something built out. And then it's like, Oh, that's pretty efficient. Cause it uses all this cool logic, but with zip message, it's like, you could sign up for <laughs> free, use it once and send a, a zip message link to one other person and now you're in an async conversation and and yeah you're not using it regularly yet but you just got a, a small win from it and uh yeah. i think that's that's really helpful and and like you know we we get teams using it too but you don't need the entire team to all decide to come on board all at the same time you could just be two people in, in an organization and it just spreads sort of organically uh, that, that was definitely one of the things that I was looking for in, in this type of product, you know? Yeah. That's super cool. It's so funny yeah, just, because a lot of the like conventional, I, I think maybe you and Justin talked about this a little bit, but like conventional bootstrapper advice used to be like, don't do like a, a B2C or B2B to C, however you want to define mm -hmm. it. You know, that's like not B2B basically. And like, don't do, don't do something with like a really low price point. Um, don't do something with like a ginormous VC backed competitor and zip message just like goes <laughs> in the face of all those <laughs> and, and they're well, like all good things, you know? I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know what mistakes I'm making right now yet. So, <laughs> true, true, true. Um, but, um, yeah. And I, I think, I think that the landscape has changed a little bit. I think a lot of these bigger ideas, are becoming a little bit more accessible to folks like us in in the at, at in the bootstrapper level. I mean, technically, I'm not actually bootstrapping anymore. I took a bit of funding from uh, from Com Fund, but um, but like for the first time, just last month, I switched. I, I flipped the switch on freemium. So uh, Zip Message just just became free. Like now we have a free forever plan and. Out of the gate, when I started it about a year ago, I, I thought about freemium. It, it's the type of product that would sort of make sense for it, but the bootstrapper in me like kind of uh, stepped back and I was like, ah, I, I can't quite do free yet. I'm just gonna do a 14 day free trial. And and that worked fairly well for the first seven or eight months, but um, it, it got to a point um, where I just decided like, you know what, it, this type of product just makes sense with a free plan. If I think about the similar product where I have converted and 
and seeing the conversion path, it's usually from a few months of, of using it on the free plan. And then, um, and so, uh, I turned that on about a month ago and, um, you know, I'm still seeing how that goes, but you know, I'm definitely still seeing people convert through, through the free up, up to paid and stuff. So. Is there any like sign or signal on how that's going so far? I know it hasn't been very long, but just like, um, I know you're, you've got to be monitoring something and trying to get the, trying to well, gauge. yeah, it, it's definitely, um, it, there's more to figure out when it comes to free, like it, with, I feel like with a free trial, it's a little bit more clear cut. You, you have 14 days, you, you know, I'm getting this many new trials a month. I'm converting this many out, out of the trials. Um, and there's a four, and there was like a two week window where I know I, I have that chance to try to convert them. But with, with freemium, it's like, okay, we need traffic. We need free signups. We need, uh, I need to monitor how many people are converting from free to paid, but also I, I'm monitoring like how active are the free users and how, how often are they bumping into the limits of the free and, and I'm, and it's a video app. So, uh, we're tracking, uh, usage as it relates to, um, sp like server costs and stuff like that and video processing. So, um, there's sort of like a lot to keep track of. Um, uh, and the first like two weeks of it, I flipped the switch, but I, I, I didn't announce it very publicly. Um, and there's a couple conversions, but like not that many. So I, I, I thought I killed, I completely killed the business by, by doing that. But then, uh, <laughs> then in the, in the last few weeks, um, it definitely started to grow pretty well. So, um, seeing some good signs, it, it's still really early. Um, and there's still a lot in, in the whole funnel that is suboptimal that I'm, I'm still going to be working through over the next couple of months. Um, uh, you know, like one of the things that I need to do a better, like it, it already has some inherent virality in, in the product, but there are so many other spots where I could make it more easily shareable and, um, and do better job of like prompting free users. Like we have this concept of not only a free account owner, but there's a, a respondent user too. So you, you send a link to your client, they can reply back to your message. They could sort of register themselves along the way, but they're not yet an account owner. They're just responding to your message and they'll get notified. Um, but we, we see those people eventually convert into account owners too. So I, there's more that I could do to sort of like push that along. And, um, and there's going to be a lot more to kind of experiment with. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of similar parallels to Savvy Cal, and this is not the Savvy Cal yeah, I'm sure. uh, yeah. podcast, but just selfishly like we're, I'm, I'm curious because we're working through some freemium ideas now. And, uh, and there, there is a lot to work through rather than like, I feel like with, with a free trial, it's like, you know, trial length and then like the onboarding flow is really important. And then it's kind of just, then just like a race and like a push to get as many people as you can to convert, uh, and like to not cancel. And, and there's a whole like yeah. credit card up front or not, but with freemium, there's like an infinite number of these little levers that you can pull and all the different mechanics of how people eventually upgrade and versus like what is going to increase signups versus what's going to increase conversions. And, yeah. um, you have to find like this winning combination of a hundred different factors all working in tandem. Yeah. I, I feel like it, you know, freemium actually puts a lot of pressure on the product itself. I mean, it's, 
they call it product-led growth, right? So right. like it has to be a, a really great product on so many fronts because with a free trial, you have the benefit of, of the time urgency, right? Like, like in my, I, I had an email sequence that would go out to new trialing users. And at day 14, I could send them an email and, that says, all right, your trial's up, time, time for you to come and convert. Here's your call to action. Come to the website and put your credit card in. Today's the day, right? I, I can't send that email anymore. Now, now it's like, yeah. Here, here's a couple of emails to help you along the way. But when you're ready, you can convert. So, I hope you get around to that at some point. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's please. Um, I beg you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, that's where it gets into like, uh, really figuring out what the limits are, and you don't want it to be too limited, where it's just completely useless for the free users. Uh, but it they should feel some some level of of pain to want to upgrade and and with zip message um i landed on a few different limits um one one obvious one is the is the time limit for recording so you can record for like one minute recordings if you're on free um once you upgrade that that limit goes away and then the other one it, this is also similar to savvy cal I, I talk to derek all the time about this kind of stuff where um you can have a personalized link so you could have like zipmessage.com slash, you know, jet boost or something like that. And um, free users don't get that. But but we built mm. Um, mm. if you're if you're on free, you can try to customize your URL and it says like, hey, that's available. And then it says you can upgrade to grab it. You know, that's all of that. So we've got little things like that. Have you taken any cues from uh, Loom? I know that they've kind of changed their freemium model a few times and there was even like kind of like this backlash that happened a while back. I don't know if you saw that or remember what that was like, but um, I remember there was, there was something that people were like pretty pissed about. And in the past, um, I remember not paying for loom because I would, I think the only limit they had for a long time was like a hundred videos or something like that, but it could be like as long as you want. And I don't know, maybe there are other limits I didn't find, but then you just kind of like keep, clearing out the queue or you delete a couple old videos and then now you have room for yeah. some more. I don't, I don't remember. I, I know that, um, I was a paying loom user for a while before I, I, I ended that. I use that message now, obviously, but, um, uh, the, what got me to convert was the time limit on the, on the, like I wanted to record some that were longer than, than whatever mm -hmm. the, the limit was. Um, uh, yeah, we and and the other limit with zip message is I think this is sort of similar to Loom that I think they they have something like twenty five videos in your history on free. Um, we're doing um, on free. You have thirty days of history, uh, and and so like messages basically like expire after that. Um, mm -hmm. So. I found, I found that one interesting because I, I know I was a paying user before, but then I think I recently upgraded to the, like the premium plan or whatever, like the higher third tier is, uh, because I did like these landing page audits a few months ago. And then someone was like, Hey, I'm like finally getting around to this, but I can't see the video anymore. And I was like, Oh shoot. And so I looked and then I went in there and I realized it was like one of those old ones. And then I went to the pricing page and saw that that was one of the factors. Yeah, like, oh, we, um, smart. yeah, yeah, the premium, you have unlimited history. The 
the middle plan, the, the, um, we call it basic plan, is is uh, ninety days of history, and the free plan is like thirty days of history. Mm, right. Um, and the way that we do it, you know, talking about like server costs, basically, is is like free users, like they might never become paying users. So we do actually delete the content. Like so, I think the way that we have it set up, I'm I'm, I'm sharing like under the hood here, but basically, <laughs> if you're a free account your messages expire after 30 days. And I think like 60 days after that, we we wipe that, that content off of the servers. Um, if you're on any paid plan, like start uh, the, the basic or premium, we never delete any content whatsoever. Um, mm. But we do uh, cut off the access that are like 90 days or, or above so that you could always upgrade and like instantly gain access to whatever you, you've had in your account. Right, you'll honor like the the most recent history or whatever they've recorded that now yeah. qualifies under that ninety yeah. day or, threshold. Or like even if you've had you have stuff from like a year ago, as long as you've been on a paid plan, like we'll we'll keep it on the server. It's ready to go whenever you're ready to upgrade. You know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but you know, these are things that like we're still experimenting with. You know, we, I'm sure we'll we'll tweak these these things as as we go along. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting ready to launch a, uh, well, actually today, I, I, tomorrow I'm putting an announcement out about, um, iframes. So now you can like embed stuff on your own website. Um, that that's going to be a, a, available to everyone, including free users, because it's sort of a tool that, that can spread the, the power to buy zip message, uh, thing. Um, but we also have a Zapier. Uh, integration, which is only available for for paid users, and we're we're soon going to be launching like an API access, which will also be for for paid users. So mm. just trying to figure out like which things are really more valuable and which things actually help spread the product, you know. So right, yeah, that, that's a difficult kind of balance, um, especially like the competing priorities right it's like well they're both good but like which one do we do first or like which one's better or yeah which one should we work on right at this moment in order to meet the school or based on what feels right yeah totally um it's it's constantly a battle of priorities you know there's so many things i would love to be building right there's feature requests all the time but but then there's like marketing work to do (laughs) you know it's like what's more (laughs) important like Build features or get more users, you know? <laughs> Stupid um, marketing, right? Means to an end. I mean, it totally yeah. is, honestly. <laughs> it would just make it so hard, right? Because it's like, well, ideally, you would just spend 100% of your time and resources and people building up the product to build the best thing possible. But that would require this insane, like, word of mouth, viral kind of growth where you just, you don't even need any marketing, quote unquote. Um, and you I have mean, to. I'm, I am curious about what you guys think about this idea of um, super niched vertical products versus sort of horizontal products. Um, I mean, with JetBoost, right? Like, it's it's for it's for you know Webflow and like yeah, um, you know, like do you do you find it's it's a lot easier to sort of like ride that that channel of of users, whereas like I mean, even like something like like SavvyCal has got to be a pretty wide range of the types of users that that come and use it. Yeah, yeah I think for me and my skill set, like I could not have done a SaaS product without 
you know, the route that I took, which is like building on top of another platform uh, and just hitching on and riding that wave. Yeah, because it, it makes the it makes the marketing much simpler, I'd say, because there's fewer places to go. You know exactly where to go and find people. And the messaging and the materials you need to build are so much more specific and there's just there's less required. Um, so, yeah, and the word of mouth, too, because it's a smaller community and, you know, people talk and share things and uh, Jepus has been able to benefit like, it. Do you go into like Webflow communities and like that's the main like channel of where people find you? And Yeah, I, I, especially in the early days, I was very active in different Webflow communities. They're, uh, you know, they've got like an official forum and then they've got Facebook community and Webflow Twitter and all of it. Um, I, I would say it's, I've definitely gotten away from it over time just because there's been other competing priorities, but for getting it off the ground and sort of getting the, uh, the initial like kindling going, that was extremely helpful. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Personally, I don't think, I, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'll let you continue on. Uh, no, I'm, I'm always, uh, fascinated with the, the wins that SaaS see during their first year, you know, cause it's, hmm. everyone can talk all day about like SEO best practices and, you know, you got to do this and that. And, and, but like, ultimately it's, it's going to come down to like two or three, like turning points that happen sometime in the first 12 months that, that take you from like hundreds in MRR to a few thousand in MRR. And then that's, and then that eventually is something you could start really building on. But like, there's, like for every one SaaS that gets into the thousands MRR, you know, there's how many that just never break through because because they do, like and I'm and I'm starting to I, I ask that question all the time to SaaS friends, right? And it's it seems to me like the pattern is it's it's a combination of that, like like some community, some some like where where it gets mentioned, and then like influencers talk about it like a few just a few influential people share it or there's some major integration partnership or some some sort of partnership thing uh that is like the first channel that that gets it out there you know um yeah i mean because like the the seo stuff will be like layered on later and the brand stuff will grow over time and and word of mouth once you get into the thousands then then the word of mouth will start to spread but like those first wins are, are usually some sort of like big name partnership or influencer, right? Yeah. No, the, uh, one of the first, actually the very first customer was, uh, Ben Tossel from MakerPad and mm-hmm. he became like an early adopter advocate, uh, you know, and was an influencer in the no code space. And he helped promote JetBoost a lot and get early customers in the door. And, uh, and then, yeah, the, everything changed really right after COVID hit. Uh, someone created a Webflow site using JetBoost. They made it clonable uh, and shared it in the like the Webflow showcase. And all of a sudden, like all these other people found out about JetBoost just because this this site that they made like took off and it got cloned hundreds, maybe thousands of times. And uh, yeah, it just like changed the trajectory of the business pretty much overnight. Sweet. I mean, there, yeah. there was also like these big. Um, tailwinds just like within the industry itself no code like when jet boost like as a product was like ready 
and like featureful. It just like was strapped onto the rocket ship that was no code right when yeah. COVID happened. Uh, I mean, even like the same thing with Savical, like it was a little bit like hmm. kind of mid pandemic, but still like everyone was just figuring out remote work and online meetings and a lot of the kind of like virtual collaboration stuff. And when we saw it with like a bazillion other like remote focus tools and they were just like rocket ships because the industry has this massive shift yeah. and or something becomes hot. You know, it's like today, if you're a web three startup, you're, you're gold and people are interested yeah. and investors are interested and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, it's just, you, you can't do anything wrong. And so there's all these like, I mean, I think even with zip message too, right? I mean, there's been a lot about async meetings and a lot about, uh, async collaboration, productivity, a lot of the same tailwinds. I think that savvy cow has experienced people are like really, really yeah. open and even like eager for those types of tools right now, just given the conditions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that was another one of those, uh, my, my daughter's taking a look at our, at our podcast. <laughs> um, uh, that was another one of those, you know, looking at this market, looking at the tools that are out there and the, the way the whole world is going remote and, and, you know, async is not new. Um, it's just that the, the term asynchronous isn't, is sort of starting to trend up now and people are starting to be more aware of like, well, we are remote, so we're communicating in certain ways. That's a little bit different. Um, and I mean, remote is not new. But I think I think companies are more aware of how they communicate. Um, they're more comfortable working in, in remote settings now. So they're so so being more comfortable in it, more used to remote. Now now it's a wave of like how can we optimize how we communicate remotely? You know, and like for me, like it's it's been. You talked about like the consulting stuff where you had too many meetings. I mean, in audience ops, when I was running that that business, like we had no meetings. Like we. I literally almost never talked live to my team. It was it was almost it's it probably a little bit weird, but like almost everything we did was asynchronous. Like we we tried having weekly standups at one point, and it's like, what are we doing? This is sort of just a waste of time. And the most productive conversations would happen in Slack, in email. We would send video messages. We would use our you know, we used process kit, we used Trello, all that is asynchronous. Um, uh, you know, so, so zip message came about as like, how can we optimize and, and add a little bit more FaceTime, you know, the ability to screen share and send a message across and get, and go back and forth. I mean, now I'm collaborating with, with, uh, a, a marketing person in, in Australia, you know, I, I can't get on a live call with, you know, that person at 7 a.m. their time, it's like dinner time over here. I mean, you know, that's not going to be very productive, but we can have a deep conversation over, over the course of a week, you know, with, with a zip message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to echo on like the vertical versus horizontal, I can't speak from too much experience, but my perspective has been, I think that, um, like really vertically integrated SaaS that are really focused. I think that helps when there's this kind of strong groundswell within that vertical. Uh, otherwise it can be a little bit of like a uphill battle or like niche just for the being, just for the sake of being niche doesn't really like help all that much mm -hmm. besides maybe just having like clear messaging and like a higher conversion rate possibly. 
And I think the same is true for horizontal as well, where like, you don't want to be too, uh, broad. And, and especially, I think you want to have some of those like virality, uh, kind of viral functions within the product. Uh, yeah. Like I can imagine trying to compete with like a, a notion or a slack when we saw, you know, Derek again, I'm not Derek, so I'm not going to pretend to speak <laughs> as if I were him, but he started level. Right. And that's an incredible, I mean, I think it's the same thing almost for process kit. Right. Um, that would be, yeah, it, it ended up being in that. Yeah. I mean, process kit ended up being sort of in that like project management space. It, it, I didn't intend that, but like when people think about process kit, they're probably moving away from a, a Asana or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm trying to figure that out right now with zip message because it, it, there have been a few points where I keep thinking about like, well, how can I niche this down? Um, but it still kind of circles back to like, well, there's about five or six different really common use cases right now with zip message. And like half of them are in this like team communication space and half of them are in like client communication space. And, um, and so right now, like the homepage sort of, is more about the product and how it's async. And then I've got like a, a team meetings, uh, use case page and a client meetings use case page. And I'm trying hmm. to optimize. So like, it's still, I, I would still consider it a horizontal product, but it's definitely within the realm of remote work and tech companies and digital services. And like, you know, you're in this world, you're like I'm not going after at least not today. I'm not going after like real estate agents or some other like uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. vertical. Um, it's it's right. Still, well, at least uh, like like and I'm like I'm thinking about like you know uh, the first networks to start spreading this. I mean, obviously, it's the one that's the ones that I'm closest to. It's the, the, mm -hmm. the SaaS founders, the, the digital agencies, and stuff like that. Right, right. So I was just talking with uh, Colleen from Software Social, and uh, I think that actually the episode will drop the same day as this recording uh tuesday hopefully we'll see um but we were kind of doing some live brainstorming for her product simple file upload and we were talking about well who's the customer and um she's like well i don't really just have like one customer i have multiple types and we were joking because i feel like as podcast conversations like this or just chatting with friends where you kind of realize you like hear the same thing over and over again and you're like oh light bulb moment or you realize that you have an opinion about it and at that moment, I just like realized like, yeah, I think, I, I think it's a myth that you have to have like one really strong, like central persona. Like you, you look at any SaaS company today and there isn't like just one main yeah. customer. Um, because at the end of the day, it ends up being sort of like this more horizontal play where there's going to be multiple types of uses, or it's going to be like a vertical different personas where you have different stakeholders or people within an organization who would use it. Like maybe there's the, um, uh, the manager and the direct report, or maybe it's, um, yeah. team members together, but for di very different uses within a company. Um, well, I, I think, and, I think it also, um, it really comes down to like how the original idea was born. You know, I mean, I have, I have friends who have built incredible SaaS businesses in a tight niche vertical. Um, you know, a couple of friends, built uh, Moraware, which is like right. uh, software for kitchen countertop in installers, yeah. which is, an, it, <laughs> it, I mean, you don't get more niche than that, but like that's an incredible SaaS business. They're more than 10 years into it. 
Um, but it was born out of like his brother-in-law is a, is a uh, countertop installer. And like, that's how he discovered this need in, in that vertical market, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, but like I've, and, and I hang out with those guys and, and other friends, like another friend does uh, SaaS for like um, uh, insurance uh, agents, right? And, and it's like, I, I'm just not personally connected to, to like a, a niche online uh, or, or a niche like offline uh, vertical, you know, um, without just randomly picking a vertical and, and saying like, hey, maybe I can, because I did that once. I, I, I was like, let me just pick a random vertical. How about restaurants? And I'll build a SaaS for, for restaurants. Like <laughs> the wrong, right? Well, I, I mean, I, I, and I built, I built a SaaS and it sort of worked. Um, and I ended up selling that business after like four years of, of bootstrapping it. It was, it was sort of like an early win in my career. But the main reason I sold that business was I can't keep hammering for the restaurant industry because I'm not connected to them. I'm not going to go walk into restaurants and sell this. I'm not going to mm. go fly out to the restaurant industry conference. Like, I'm just not going to do that because this is not my world. Um, and I, I'm not about to spend my whole career doing that. And, and then, um, and then like in, in the, in the next several years, it was more about like, well, these are the, this is the world that I'm in. Here's what I see here. Here are the pains that I experience or that I see most closely. And that's, that's where the, the, and for better or worse, like the, these ideas in our space just tend to be a little bit more, uh, horizontal because it's, it's just sort of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Chris is kind of maybe like interesting in between because no coders aren't like outside of this, this world, right? It's not the same as like marketing to a restaurant owner, but Chris, you weren't previously a no coder. <laughs> now you are, I mean, you're very technical, right? But I think the difference was like you, you cared about that type of person and you liked it. And it was interesting. Uh, not, not to say a brand that you're like, heartless and you don't care about people in restaurants, <laughs> but like there's, there's a big difference between like an innate interest in that type mm -hmm. of business or that type of person and the work that they do. Yeah. And, and not knowing the, so like I was very inexperienced with Webflow when I started JetBoost. And uh, if I could go back in time now with all of the Webflow experience that I have, everything I know about the people using it, like the, I would have started the product uh, I would have built a different product really, um, or at least built it in a way that, that works better for people using Webflow. Um, you know, the way it is today, it's, it's, it's great. People love it, but there are things I know now that I didn't know then that, uh, I could have benefited from if I had been more, uh, in involved in Webflow mm -hmm. in the no code space. It's interesting. Yeah. If, if I was just getting into web development, I would totally be on, on Webflow now but uh so set my way i mean it's it, it's a, it's amazing seeing you know the, this this product that a team of people has built that has just created just a hundred thousand uh, you know thousands of careers uh of, of people who didn't who had tried to learn how to code had tried to build web pages and it just you know it didn't click for them but using webflow they've you know, some people have doubled, tripled, quadrupled their rates because they're building fully functional websites now, but doing it visually. Uh, I mean, that's is, another thing so that awesome. 
that I always find fascinating. I mean, not to drag your your podcast on for too long here, but um, the uh, when you when you see these these brands that just sort seemingly like come out of nowhere into an already really crowded space and start to start to take off. I mean, I like Webflow to me. What's what jumps out is like because there was there was Squarespace before that there there was a thousand other like web there I mean there's WordPress you know then there's all these other web builders out there but like Webflow was sort of like like yeah it's easy to to build whatever you want with no code but we're not gonna like dumb it down like you're not an mm -hmm. idiot you you want the you want power tools to be able to create a really great professional website without it feeling like oh this is like amateur hour you know and I feel like all the other like visual website builders were always always felt too you know this is not professional yeah 100 agree yeah um a small tangent on that but looping back to a question for you brian one I, you know your thought about uh if you were starting today go with webflow i wish i'd found webflow years and years earlier because even in college trying to pay the bills i was doing uh, building Squarespace sites for friends and family members and, you know, people at church and stuff like that. And uh, even with Squarespace, it was hard, but it was also like not really a tool that you can like master per se, like it, Webflow just gives you that real like customization that you need to do that. But also I feel like if I was starting, if I was starting over, I would, I mean, I wanted to eventually bootstrap a software company or I don't know, start a company or do something on my own, I would probably start with like web design because you can oh, yeah. do like these big projects that don't maybe have like the same type of ongoing work or requirements. And it's, it's like very like deliverables based instead of like the time that you spend on it or um, even like the Dude. speed at which you do it. And uh, so I was curious like what your experience was just oh, man. doing I that mean and how it worked for you. Okay, thinking about early on in my career, two things that I really feel like so incredibly lucky. <laughs> um, that I've had plenty of challenges in, in, in my career and, and still do, but man, I am so lucky that these two things happened. Number one, um, I went into web design professionally. And I, I had hacked around with HTML in high school and stuff, but then... Um, I thought I was going to do a career in, in music, like working in recording studios and stuff. Realized I couldn't make a living there. Pivoted and interned at a web agency and started working on big name websites through the, through the agency. And I totally learned how to literally build anything I want on the internet. I mean, that was massive. Because I, I wasn't even thinking in terms of entrepreneurship. I was just thinking like, I started being a web designer, then I became a so the freelance thing was the other one. But after I was a freelancer, I started, I discovered Woo themes and, oh, they're, 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 they're creating digital products. Like I could, I had to, I could totally build that. And mm. it, this doesn't have to be a service. I can build products. Like that was a huge light bulb moment. And it's only because I was able to build anything I want on, on, on the web. Um, and then the other one was I chose to go freelance in 2008 um, in, I, I quit my job at a web agency in New York in January of 2008. And, <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, ec the economy crashed in November of 2008. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, 
if if I did not leave and become freelance earlier that year, there's a pretty good chance I would still be employed at a at a company today. You know, mm. because I would have I would have held on to that job for dear life through the economic crisis, and I would have grown up and got married and have a mortgage and and uh, probably wouldn't have. It, it felt much more risky or, or it, I chose to go freelance in my 20s at that time when I did not have a mortgage. I was single. I was, you know, it was like a lot less risk. Um, so I, I just that just random timing that that I think about all the time, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. And and then doing freelance stuff, then you were able to uh, on yeah, the side and- start up other things. And the, oh, totally. To yeah. And, and in a weird way, the, the economic crisis sort of helped me as a freelancer because companies were hiring freelancers instead of full-time employees. Mm. Oh, right. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, I, I did freelance work for like a good five, four or five years, but I, I didn't even intend to build a business. Like it was just, I just wanted to be a freelancer so that I could also play music half the time. Mm. Um, and it was like... Uh, <laughs> And then I stumbled into these guys making products in the WordPress space where I totally just, my mind blew, was blown just like, holy crap, you can create digital products on the internet? Like that was amazing to me. And then that, that's how I stumbled into uh, WordPress and then Restaurant Engine and then SaaS. And then I discovered Mixergy and then it was like game over, you know, so hmm. I'm doing this founder thing for a while now. Mr. You was also one of those like big podcasts I listened to where my eyes are just open to like, well, there are a lot of weird people doing a lot of weird stuff, but I love it. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, totally. this whole world of entrepreneurship I never even knew existed besides like, you know, Steve Jobs and Apple and Bill Gates and Microsoft and like all these small tech entrepreneurs. Totally. I, I just, I forgot how I stumbled into Mixer G, but it, it turned, it opened my eyes to SaaS in general. Like I, I, I listened to that, I think, before Startups for the Rest of Us. and um, But I was tuned into WordPress. So I, I was into like WordPress mm. themes in around 2009, 2010, when, when those were still relatively new. Um, but I wasn't yet clued into like subscription-based businesses. That was still sort of on the rise. And, um, and then I learned about Mixergy, and then that's when I started to put it together like, oh, wor- you can create a subscription product in WordPress. And that was sort of a new idea. Um, I wasn't the first to do it, but like the idea of building restaurant engine in the WordPress ecosystem was like kind of interesting because up until that point, it was mostly just themes and plugins, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then SAS in general started to start to grow. And then I started attending uh, microconf and meeting a lot of really awesome people. And that, that's when that's the, that's the other thing that I, I feel lucky for, but like, that's the advice that I give to anyone who's, who's sort of like young and coming up is like, go out and meet people and, and, and develop these, these friendships. Cause things get a lot more interesting once, once you build a community, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time, Brian and Chris, I don't want to cut you off if you have other stuff too, but I also want to ask a couple more questions about zip message if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I got a few more minutes. I'm the marketing guy, so of course I'm going to ask about marketing. But um, what have you been doing? What's worked? What hasn't worked? How are you thinking about it? You've made some mentions of a marketing person in Australia, and so I know that's that's been something we've talked about. 
in the Swipe House community and just offline as well. Um, so I'm just yeah. curious how that's going and how you're approaching uh, it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's an ever evolving thing. I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself, uh, a, an expert marketer. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm much more a product person. That's where I sort of live every day. So I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, but it is a mix of right now. There are two big, two big, um, efforts that I'm trying to execute on. One is just getting the word out there organically by going on podcasts, but also um, literally doing more direct outreach to potential influencers who could talk about it. And now that we have the API stuff, you know, developing integration partnerships. So like we were talking about, I think a lot of those early wins are going to be through just people recommending it, um, who, who can reach larger audiences. And then, and then the freemium thing kicking in from there with, with, with the network effects like that. I'm really trying to put my personal effort there. And then the other, the other track is content and SEO. And, um, uh, we've done a bit of keyword research, identified a few like topic areas where it would be good for, ha for us to have a really strong, uh, you know, written guide. So I'm starting to, I'm, I'm actually talking to a few different writers right now about getting like some high quality content written and, and sent out. Um, that'll start to roll out in like January and February. Um, I mean, the next big thing that's going to happen is, is product hunt. So, um, I, you know, Corey, I talked to you and, and Derek about your, uh, successful, uh, launch with, with, with savvy cow. And so I'm, I'm trying to, you know, sort of plan and, and coordinate something like that. Um, uh, I'm, you know, looking at uh, a date in, in early January to try to get that going. I'm, I'm still figuring out like the, the chess pieces of like how to how to lead up to to that and and try to try to get the most out of it. I think that that could have a lot of potential for for Zip Message. Of course, it's a it's a crapshoot. You never know what to expect. But um, yeah, and then and then just you know because it it has really uh, pretty good traction already. But it's it's um uh I think if it, if it grows just a little bit more, a, a lot a lot more of this uh, network effects are, are I'm already seeing it. But if I could start to five x ten x um, I could see how like a path where, where it could grow pretty well next year. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, it all sounds good to me. It sounds like a lot of the same stuff we've done at Savvy Cal and generally the right direction for what I would do if I was in your shoes. Um, especially being early stage and bootstrapped and just wanting to be scrappy. But also I think I'm also like, this is one of the things I've been realizing more and more talking to people is like, there's kind of these, these same like ubiquitous, tactics that just work early on and i think a lot of the like co-marketing partnership integration or like building on a platform is like tried and true works for basically everyone in a slightly different way but like it's generally like a good exploration content yeah. and seo it's like the only i mean it's very intent driven and it's the only free source of recurring traffic and you basically just like can't not do it almost yeah. like, unless it's yeah. just like so clearly competitive I mean, and impossible to the, rank for. The thing is that we're not really in a space where like people are searching to buy this tool today. So they're going to land on our homepage and buy it. Um, but there are topics that we should have high, that, that there are search volume for that we should be ranking for. Um, so, you know, just trying to execute on a lot of that stuff. Uh, and um, the, I mean, the third big thing that I would like to get to is, is what you're, what your course is going to be about and like building like media content. I, I have a concept for a new podcast and a, 
and a newsletter type of uh, media product that I would like to put out under zip message. Um, but I haven't executed anything on that yet. Mm. Uh, um, partly cause I'm trying to figure out like what the team should look like for that and, and yeah. how to, how to really do it well. Um, but also it's, it's just not the highest priority in terms of getting those, those early wins for, for the SAS right now. So that's something I would like to get to sometime next year though. Yeah. Does it also feel like the, like the revenue needs to get to a place where then you have this more like freedom to hire those types of people and, or invest in those resources. Yeah. Um, I think or could so. you like theoretically go and do that tomorrow? It's more just about like time management. Uh, yeah, it, I guess it's a financial thing. I mean, I could spend on that today, but it's, it's just not the wisest use of that, of that money. And but part of, part of the, I mean, I did raise a bit of funding and I, and I have some money from the, I, I sold audience ops recently, so I have some from that. And, and it's um, um, a lot of it is just sort of like building a war chest and and holding off until later, because right now it's just about there, there's a lot that I could do myself just in terms of the product and and building these partnerships and and network effects, you know, so mm -hmm. and that that doesn't cost a lot. It's just a lot of sort of hustle and, and work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I can squeeze in one more question, personally, I don't, Chris, I'll try to leave time for you if you have no, other stuff you want to ask, ahead. but, um, one of the things I was wondering about, first of all, congrats on the audience ops, uh, acquisition, I think awesome move, huge win overall, fantastic. And win-win feels like, but for something that's not like a life-changing amount of money, like basically a few money or never have to work again type of money, however you want to like, categorize it, right? It's not that type of money but also not nothing and not small. It's not like a, you know, it's, it's paying for next month, right? It's like a considerable amount. Mm -hmm. um, you can answer this as detail or openly as, as you want to or not, but like, what do you, what do you do with that? Do you just stash that away in savings or are you going like investing, trying to like make that money work for you by, I don't know, buying a real estate or putting it in the stock market or. Um, um, I bought a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I actually did, but, uh, and I'm still waiting for it to be delivered, but, um, no, I, I mean, it was, uh, this was a, a, it was a significant, uh, exit and amount of money for me, but not certainly not what I would call FU money or anything like that. Um, um, and you know, I, I, to be honest, and, and I just gave a talk about this, um, I've had two significant exits in my career. The first one was restaurant engine. That was like low six figures. And this one was high six figures. And um, I do try to, I, obviously a lot goes into savings and, and investments. Um, and, but I do try to like cap off these chapters of my career with something physical, you know, um, I mean, with the restaurant engine thing that was back in 2015, we used the bulk of that money on the down payment for this house, you know, mm. and, and, and we, we love it here. It's plenty of space. And, and, um, it, that was sort of a huge win and definitely a level up in our, in our like lifestyle for my family, you know? Um, I mean the Tesla honestly was like, I, I'm, I'm usually not a material person or anything like that, but like, um, that's just something that I've had in my mind. Like, man, I would love to love to get one at some point, but I haven't really reached the level in business where it, that that sort of just makes sense to spend on something like that. And it's like, well, 
now I've got plenty to throw into savings and, and I could afford to get the thing that I've been, you know, a, a car that I, sp we spend a lot of time in the car anyway. So it's like, um, you know, I, I did, I did go for that. Um, but yeah, the rest goes into savings and I decided to take the, the funding from Com Fund, And a big reason for that was I, I was on the fence about like, should I take a lot of this audience ops money and reinvest it in zip message? Or hmm. because I, I did invest a bunch of it in, to, to fund the first half of the year of zip message. Um, you know, the decision to take the funding was like, okay, let me take a, a bunch of this off the table and put it into savings and, uh, and just extend the runway a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that, I think that's smart personally. Um, huge fan of com. I know Chris is as well. I think it's generally smart use of money. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a good, it was a good offer and it, and it sort of just yeah. made sense for exactly where I was at at the moment. So, you know, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I wonder about is just uh, maybe this just just me and based on my interest, but I wonder about something, you know, it all depends, right? Because if you don't need like the cash flow every month and there are other sources like, you know, I mean, it's just crazy, like thinking about what you've done and portfolio and your process kit and like all these other things, you know, there was Sunrise KPI and at any like point in time, there was a couple things either like exiting or cash flowing or like that you're <laughs> building. Right. And so, uh, but like if, if I were you and I was cash trapped monthly where I was thinking about like, how do I either pay myself or just reduce the burden? I'd be thinking about like, I don't want to buy up some sort of cash flowing asset like real estate. And then I don't have to, uh, take on funding theoretically, or I don't have to start paying myself or start drawing this out of my savings to make up the difference for whatever that is. Um, I don't know your exact situation. We don't have to go into all the details of it. I was just wondering if that was like part of the consideration set. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was quite large enough to, uh, to throw all of it in, in, in an investment like that. Um, uh, maybe I'm just not thinking creatively enough about it. I, you know, I put most of it into like ETFs and stuff like that and a little bit into, into crypto <laughs> and things, but like, um, you know, I think, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's, it's not, it, it's, if it were much larger, I, I would probably be looking in, into things like that. But, uh, I, I was absolutely sure. Like it's, I'm definitely going to keep working on a, on a business and it's, it's mm -hmm. about like, what is the, uh, most optimal way to, to basically extend the runway of, of this next business, you know? Yeah. Was there a point where you realized like, this is my, this is what I can do with my career is just start and build businesses over and over. Or was it more of just one day? Well, you I guess that's, you that's sort of like that. the question of like, uh, when did I become like unemployable? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was probably a few years ago. Uh, you know, probably around starting audience ops, like in, in the early days of audience ops, it was pretty clear, like, and that one grew really fast in terms of uh, recurring revenue, because, you know, high, higher dollar amount per customer and all that. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it that that definitely the, the the audience ops years are when things became much more comfortable lifestyle wise and fina financially. Whereas before, like during the years I was running Restaurant Engine, it, it got pretty tight some some of those years. Um, you know, like a, uh, a like yeah, like MRR swings or, or this and that. Like it, it was it was pretty tricky. But um, 
uh, yeah, I think it's been pretty clear, like, this is what I'm doing. And, um, I, I'm, you know, I have the entrepreneur bug. I've had it for a long time. So it's hard to, hard to imagine like, um, a situation where I would just choose to, to go, uh, work for someone else. Um, but it's, it's also like having this sort of skill set, like, you, you know, I, I like to play out like, what is the absolute worst case scenario? If, if this fails and then that fails and then that fails, there's still plenty of consulting I could do. There's plenty of job mm -hmm. opportunities I could fall back on, but like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I, and I, right. I would think that's like the case with, with most people in, in this space. We're, we're, we're all so yeah. lucky to, to have the, these sorts of skills, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, you can keep the options open, but it's not something you're like thinking about actively or yeah. hopefully don't get close to having to realistically consider. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've taken a ton of your time, Brian. <laughs> don't want to extend it too much further out. Uh, anything else before we cut it off here? Anything you want to say, ask, uh, mention while we're here and at it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just a fan of both of you guys and, uh, and this podcast. So, you know, thanks for, thanks for letting me hang out. And uh, yeah, this was fun. Awesome. Well, people can find you on Twitter. They can go to zipmessage.com. Um, there's bootstrapweb.com or is it bootstrapwebcodness.com? Yep. Yeah, bootstrappedweb.com. Sweet. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll actually have an episode out this week. So, yeah. Amazing. I love it. Awesome. All right. Awesome. We'll close it there. Brian, thanks again. And uh, everyone can definitely go check out uh, everything Brian's working on. Follow, give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, sign up for Zip Message. Actually, we use ZipMessage for our podcast inbox. So if you really want to experience oh, yeah. ZipMessage, go ask us a question. You can leave us a question through text, audio, video. Uh, we'll play it in the next podcast episode. We don't get a ton of questions, but that'd be a fun uh, call to action, especially since it's powered by ZipMessage. Yeah, there go you go. Check it out there. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. See ya. See ya.